thank you for checking out Faith City's podcast. We believe you'll be blessed by the Word of God today. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this opportunity today. It's an opportunity to look into your Word. What is it, Holy Spirit, that you would say to us today as we really approach this subject, this idea, this talk about being thankful? We thank you that this is your Word, your opinion, not mine. And we ask all these things in Jesus' name, and everyone said, Amen. So have you ever had one of those days, you know what I'm talking about, one of those days where nothing seems to go right, your attitude really stinks, right? And it's just like, you don't know what it is. Sometimes I've had, and my wife's really good at this. She's good at reminding me when I have one of those days. Any men here? Your wife's like, what is wrong with you? Why are you acting like this? And sometimes the answer is, I don't know. I don't know. I'm just, I'm at edge. I don't know what's going on. So sometimes we have those days and it's, it's not even necessarily that something's going on, but we don't know the answer. We're wondering why we're acting this way. Why am I being short and curt with my coworker? And why am I cutting the kids off when they're trying to talk to me? And why does it seem like I'm agitated? We all have those days, don't we? And I think it's important to think about that. Why do we have those days? Now, sometimes it could be a real deal. Maybe you lost your job. Maybe there's a financial pressure. Maybe your marriage isn't doing so well. Uh, yesterday was one of those things for me. You know, I got up thinking the day is going to be great. And as the day went on, my head got more stuffy and stuff started happening. And, you know, I get home at night after working here a little bit and studying and praying, you know, really, really holy. And then I get home and I'm just a jerk. And my wife's like, what is wrong with you? And I'm like, I don't know. I'm like, maybe because my head feels this big and I just can't function right now. There's no excuse. I had to say, I'm sorry. But, but the bottom line is there's things sometimes that cause us to be agitated. It reminds me of those Snickers commercials. How many love the Snickers commercials? I think the latest one is, uh, is it William Defoe? And he's like supposed to be Marilyn Monroe. And he's dressed up. That's really disturbing seeing William Defoe, right, <laughs> in a Marilyn Monroe dress, isn't it? So he's just going, this isn't right, and how's this ever going to work, and going on, you know, it's the famous scene over the subway grate and the whole deal, and you're like, this is disturbing, what's going on, and then someone gives him a Snickers, takes a bite of the Snickers, it's Marilyn Monroe in all her glory. You know, sometimes we need a Snickers bar, don't we? What is a Snickers bar for us as believers? It's the word. It's a refocus. A Snickers is really just a refocus on what's important on what's true. And so I want to do that today. I want to look at what's important in this, thank God, I'm not who I was. I am thankful that I am not who I was. That's the point that really needs to stick today. I am thankful that I am not who I was, who I used to be. Second Corinthians 5 verse 17 says this. I love this in the Knox translation. It says, when a man is in Christ, he has become a new species a brand new creation. Can, can, you, can you feel this? I mean, you're brand new at the core. It says his old life has disappeared. Now, for some of us, this is tough because we look at our life now and we're like, well, that addiction didn't seem to disappear. I mean, when's that going to happen? That attitude or response seems to still be there. And so we, we sometimes get caught up in out here, the outside. We see our actions, what we do. And it, it's interesting, isn't it? We don't even like what we do. Why? We have different desires. See that right there for me, that's, that's the, the way to measure if you're a new creation. You don't like those things you used to be okay with. 
And so your heart is to not do those things. But you look on the outward, you're like, am I really new? So then we get these ideas and some false teachings sometimes come out saying, well, you're old and you're new. And there's this inner war and you're working. No, you are brand new at the core. That's who he's made you right here. The old life has disappeared. Everything has become new about him. That's what it says. I'm a completely new species. God has made me completely new. We have got to get this. We have got to understand this. And then we can be thankful for the fact that we're brand new at the courts who we are. So here's a question for you. Is it possible to be made completely new but not fully understand your newness? I want to answer that question today. Is it possible to be made completely new but not fully understand your newness? Let's look at Luke chapter 17. Luke chapter 17, Jesus does something here that is absolutely amazing. We're going to look at a story here today for just a few moments, and I believe we're going to answer that question about being completely new, but not really being aware or knowing or understanding that we're new. Because how many know that we walk according to what we know, right? So, so sometimes we'll walk in this journey and we're walking and we're plodding on and we're walking on. And sometimes if we think that we're old and dirty and trying to work through that, then guess what? It's hard to act new. But if you realize that you are brand new at the core, brand new creation makes a big difference in how we walk. So let's answer that question. Let's look in Luke 17. We're going to start with verse 11. Beautiful story. This is Jesus here. It says, it happened that as he made his way toward Jerusalem, talking about Jesus, he crossed over the border between Samaria and Galilee. As he entered the village, 10 men, all lepers, say all lepers, met him. They kept their distance, which they had to do by law, but they raised their voices calling out, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. Verse 14. This is interesting. Taking a good look at them, he said, this is the response of Jesus, go show yourselves to the priests. He says, go show yourself to the priests. He goes on, they went, and while still on their way, they became clean. One of them, when he realized that he was healed, turned around, came back, shouting his gratitude, glorifying God. He kneeled at Jesus' feet, so grateful. Can you see his attitude here? He couldn't thank him enough. And then this is interesting that Dr. Luke would add this. He says, and he was a Samaritan. Now, if you're not really familiar with the culture at the time, the Samaritans were looked down upon. The Samaritans were a mixed breed, they said. It was Jews and Gentiles who got together. They had children. And now the Jews looked down. It was really racism at its worst. I mean, they would avoid this town of Samaria. They would avoid this city. They would avoid those people. They would call them things like dogs and mixed breeds and half-breeds. It wasn't a very pretty picture. This is how the Jews treated it. But yet... The, the, the writer tells us specifically the only one that came back was a Samaritan. That's interesting to me. The other nine must have been Jews. But they all were healed. Can we see that? Now, often I think what we do is we read the story too quickly. I think we need to slow down. I think we need to let this picture kind of come to fruition. We need to see this together. I want us to understand what was really going on in this time. Now, first of all, we start with 10 men who have the worst disease of their day. 
Now, a lot of us today, we're not familiar with leprosy and what it means. But let's discuss this for a minute. The physical ramifications are horrendous. Now, here's what leprosy does. It attacks the body. It leaves sores. Eventually, it leads to missing fingers, missing toes, damaged limbs. There's a loss of uh, uh, sensation in your nerve endings, leading to more damage in the body. And this is what really gets me. You know that sometimes it takes 30 years for leprosy to run its course on someone's body. Can you imagine 30 years? I'm in my mid-40s now, and I could not even imagine for 30 years slowly seeing my body wither away, decay and rot with sores, losing limbs. Sometimes limbs just completely fall off. This is what Jesus was dealing with. This is the issue that these 10 men had. And I think it's an impossible task for us to even fathom what was happening 2,000 years ago where they didn't have any type of medical treatments like we do today. And we don't live in a third world country, so we're not used to this. Uh, I heard um, a pastor was talking, and they said that they, you know, after reading the the different portions of the gospel and seeing the lepers, lepers who were healed, they really wanted to come in contact with an experience ministering to somebody who was going through this. Well, they actually were um, in a foreign country, and they went by an area that was actually a leper's colony, modern-day leper's colony. And so they walked by the area, and like, wow, Lord, I, I really want to go, and I really want to minister like Jesus did to these people who are hurting, who had nobody, because nobody wanted to be around them. Well, you know, this pastor walked by the entrance three times, three times. The desire was there. The passion to, to minister to those who are less fortunate was there. But they never went in. Do you know why? The smell overwhelmed them. I'm not trying to be gross this morning, but I want us to get a picture of what was happening here. It overwhelmed them. They could not stomach even going in. Even though their heart was to minister the love of God to these people, it was putrid to their nostrils. So think about this. Lepers of this time. I mean, it wasn't even just the grotesque look of somebody who was missing a nose and an ear and a limb and bloody. It, it wasn't the, 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 just the sight. It was also the hearing, the cries, and the hurting because stuff was hurting and decaying. Not only that, the smell. It would just bombard your senses of smell of rotting flesh. We don't know what that's like, do we? You know, for us, the worst thing is, whoa, is that roadkill? But this is a real deal. What about the emotional level of stress that the lepers had to go through? Do you realize that according to the law, that a leper could not be around anybody? You were completely separated from your family. No longer had contact with the wife if you had a wife, with children if you had children, with grandchildren. No longer could you feel the warm touch of a whole hand. Think about this. You look grotesque. You stink. You're in agony. You're separated. And the law said if you were found with anybody else who was whole, you were to be killed on the spot. This is how they were treated. If you were found with leprosy, you were immediately said, you're done. You were cut off from your family. Not even a chance to have a kiss from your wife on your way out the door. Why? Because maybe, just maybe, they would catch the same thing. And you wouldn't want to do that to them. So what they would do is they would travel together in groups. And why? They would scavenge for food together. They would cry out. They really learned how to cry out with loud voices because they weren't allowed within so much uh, distance from people. So they would just cry out, please help me. I need help. I need food. 
Can you imagine a life like that? What blows my mind is Jesus heals them here, but how many times do you see him actually physically walk directly up to a leper and touch the leper? No fear of the disease coming onto him. For some lepers, it could have been the first human touch they ever experienced. So Jesus comes to this town. There's 10 lepers. They're screaming out, help us, have mercy on us. Because they heard the miracles that Jesus did. They knew how Jesus reacted. When he saw pain, he went to that pain. It's interesting here, isn't it? He comes into town. He encounters the, the, the 10 guys, the 10 men. They're screaming, we want to be well, basically, right? And his response baffles me. I'm thinking, Jesus, he could have said, be healed. Be cleansed. He could have laid hands on him. He could have said it from a distance. He could have said, you're good. He could have did what he did before for other people. You're healed in Jesus' name, my name, God's name. You're healed, right? Uh, go and sin no more. He didn't do that. His response was this, go and show yourself to the priest. That's kind of odd. I mean, Jesus, why wouldn't you just want to heal these men? I think this is awesome. Let's look into this. First of, all, first of all, we have to understand that the local priest, he had a lot of duties, including leading the, the Sabbath day and, and all those rituals and things he'd do. But he also was kind of something of a health official. If you had a disease, in this case leprosy, you were to go to the priest if you felt you were well, miraculously healed, and the priest would look you over all over. And if you were good, his decree was you are healthy and whole. Now, this was a big deal. Why? It now meant you could be reunited with your family. It meant you could now hold a job because they couldn't work. Where would you work? They could have a job. They could hold their children. They could be back in the family. They could be part of society again. They could feel like somebody. So here they are. When Jesus met them, lepers, he tells them to go have a priest inspect and look at, look at them. And they weren't any different than they were 10 minutes before when they first met Jesus. Interesting, isn't it? But something interesting happens. They hear the words of Jesus and they say, okay. Because it says that they started to head to look for a priest. And while they were walking to find the priest, all of a sudden, imagine one man looks down and suddenly where there was no hand, it was nub. It's a whole hand. And he feels the sensation again of feeling. Another man, maybe he has some kind of cobbled together crutch and he's, he's doing this and all of a sudden he trips over that dirty rag where there used to be a nub and he looks down and there's a complete leg from his knee down whole and healed. Another guy looks where it used to just be putrid skin, where it was coming away and white hair, and it's fully grown out, fully, fully functional with dark hair. Can you imagine how they felt? They were excited. They were cheerful. And now their screams were no longer, help me. It was like, I can't believe this is happening. I can't believe this is happening. And running to the priest, why? They could be once again reunited with their families. But what happens we see one man who turns back around. He comes back. This is awesome to me. Because even though they headed off to, to see the priest with all the issues still in their bodies, even though they had all these circumstances that said, why are you going to the priest? Because the only reason to go to the priest is so he could see you were cleansed. They weren't cleansed. So they start walking there. Why? They trusted the words of Jesus. It's like you and me at salvation. Jesus says, I see you in that state. 
I see you in your sin. I see you in your addiction. I see you in those issues of life that keep bogging you down. But I have a promise. I've made a promise. I've paid a price. Will you come to me? I have new life. I have a clean life. I have a brand new person that I'm going to make you. Will you do that? He doesn't say, clean up, get better, get right, and when you're all good, then come, I'll inspect you, and then you'll be righteous. He says, come as you are. And it's that step of faith, just like the lepers, as we go towards Jesus, guess what? Our healing comes spiritually. We're brand new at the core. What an example. These lepers, I mean, they were just trusting. Okay, you're saying go to the priest. It doesn't make sense. I, I would never go to the priest in this state. In fact, if I walked into the temple like this, I could be killed. Yet they trusted Jesus. What weird words. I'm thinking, why don't you say be healed? You see the faith they had? It's the same faith that we have at salvation. Let's look back at um, verse 14 of chapter 17. It says, taking a good look at them, he said, go show yourself to the priests. They went, and while still on their way, became clean. One of them, when he realized that he was healed, turned around and came back, shouting his gratitude, glorifying God. He kneeled at Jesus' feet, so grateful. He couldn't thank him enough, and he was a Samaritan. Look at this in verse 17. Jesus said, were not 10 healed? What a question, huh? He says, where are the nine? I've heard a lot of messages on this, but but let's look at this. He says, can none be found to come back and give glory to God except this outsider? And then he said to him, get up on your way. Your faith has healed and saved you. Now think about this. There were 10 lepers. How many were healed and saved? 10. 10. They were healed and saved. Aren't you glad that Jesus didn't say, your faith has healed and saved you, and those other nine, I take it back. What was the question I asked earlier? I said, is it possible to be made new but not fully understand your newness? You know, out of 10 people, there was only one who fully understood He looked at himself. All of them were amazed. All of them were completely healed. I believe all of them went to the priest eventually. He cleared them, clean bill of health. They were reunited with their their friends and their family, a complete life again, because that's what Jesus does. He restores. But only one, one understood his newness and came back to say, thank you, Lord, for saving me. Thank you, Lord, for healing me. See, I am thankful that I am not who I was. You know, no matter what circumstances we go through in life, no matter what issues are at hand, we choose to focus on him, be thankful to him for what he did. I really truly believe that this is the very basis for living a life of thankfulness and having an attitude of gratitude. The very basis, that's what we started here today, to, to realize that I am not who I used to be. I am not the same person. You know, the Bible tells us about our enemy. And one of the names for him is the accuser of the brethren and the sistren, if you will. And it says that he accuses us Daily. Think about this. When you're going through life, 
When you're going through your day and something reminds you about the issue you have, the addiction you have, that thing in your life that you seem to not be able to get control of, it's never God. It's the enemy. He's accusing you. He's saying, yeah, yeah, I understand you're righteous, but we need to learn to tell the enemy to get his big butt out of the way. Because there's no ifs, ands, or buts when it comes to salvation, when it comes to righteousness. It's a free gift. None of us can earn it, and it comes from Jesus Christ. It's an amazing way to live. Because then what happens is when those things come, when the accuser comes, what is our response? Our response should be, no, 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 no. You must have forgot something. I'm a new creation in Christ Jesus. All things, old things have passed away. All things have become new. I am brand new at the core. Who I am is who he has made me to be. And then you say this, thank you, Lord, that I am brand new. Thank you, Lord, that I am not who I used to be. This is the answer to addiction. This is the answer to responding better to people. This is the answer to trusting God. It's starting here, realizing the truth, because this is truth, that you are brand new at the core. That's who he's made you to be. It's absolutely amazing. Never stop being thankful for what he has done to make you who you are. Every person here today, if you said yes to Jesus, if you're a believer, then that means you're brand new. You're a new creation in Christ. You're not fighting an old man. You're fighting old thoughts. You're fighting old habits. That's why we're told that it's, it's the renewing of our mind. We're transformed by the renewing of our mind with the word. We have to think differently. We have to look at things differently, but it all starts here. If you feel down and out, if you feel like you're not worthy, then you say, shut up to those lies, and you tell yourself, I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. And then guess what you can do? You can thank him for your righteousness and your newness. That's how we live life, amen. If you're struggling today with those thoughts, with those accusations, come back to this. I am not who I used to be. In the midst of that sin or that issue or that thought, say, I am not who I used to be. And now I don't do this on my own. It's the power of Christ, his ability, his authority in my life that's helping me to make better decisions. The Holy Spirit, it says grace teaches us to say no to ungodliness but to say yes to godliness. He's always wooing us to do the right thing. But will we listen? If we really think we're not brand new for real, like it's just something we say, then we won't hear the voice. So it's a daily thing. Remind yourself that you're brand new and you are not who you used to be. Will you pray with me? Heavenly Father, we love your word. It's your word that helps us to see things differently. That's what repentance means in the Bible to change our minds. We see things differently. And as we change our mind, we're repenting and saying, wow, God, thank you for showing me the way, the correct way of how things are. I pray today that those of us here who maybe have struggled with this newness idea would no longer struggle. Because the newness isn't us. The newness isn't because of us. It's because of Jesus Christ. And I know that our desire is to see the newness worked out, working out that salvation. But I thank you that you'll never leave us or forsake us, that you're in this for the long haul and you're in it to help us. We can do all things through Christ 
who is our strength. If you're here this morning and you would say, I've never made a decision for Jesus Christ. Well, today could be your day of salvation. It's really simple. It's just saying yes to Jesus. It's saying, yes, Lord, I believe that you love me so much that you sent your son, that the wages of sin was death, but that Jesus paid those wages. You, you, couldn't, just, you couldn't just sweep sin under the rug. There had to be a payment, but Jesus paid the price. Believing that he was crucified and sacrificed for you, that he was buried and then he rose again. That's the beauty. That's the beauty of it. I was talking to someone yesterday, and they said, hey, it'd be really cool if you guys had your mirror lighters do a cross with Jesus on it. And I said, well, the thing is, Jesus is not on the cross anymore. I said, I'm all about empty tombs now. You know the reason I have new life? Because Jesus was raised from the dead and has new life. So with every head bowed and every eye closed, if you're here today and you say, yeah, pastor, I want to make the decision for Jesus, just quickly raise your hand. It's as simple as a prayer. It's as simple as talking to God and saying yes. Anyone here, just a couple more seconds. Thank you, Jesus. He's so good. I thank you for every person here, Heavenly Father. I pray that those of us who are believers today would understand even more deeply what it means to not be the same, to be completely new at the core. And for those who maybe still haven't made the decision, I pray, Holy Spirit, you would just give them the peace to know they're welcome to come and check it out some more, how good life is in you. We thank you for these things. In Jesus' name, and everyone said, amen. For more information about our ministry here at Faith City, check out faithcity.tv.